to another edition of the Student Fire Podcast, live from the Speak Fire Studio. My name is Bobby Berg. I'm a motivational speaker for schools, and I'm here to help you live your best life today. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another edition of the Student Fire Podcast, live from the Speak Fire Studio. I'm your host, Bobby Berg. I'm a behavioral prevention specialist for at-risk students and your host for this episode, as the last episode. This is part two of two of my interview series with none other than the amazing Terry Mitchell for the Voices on Fire interview series. Thank you all for tuning into part one. This is part two starting now. And have you seen a difference in terms of your particular school area? Has there been any sort of measurable change that shows that when those various emotional resources are available, grades improve is there any sort of work you've done there or is that something that's ahead of you um so that's very much ahead of me but it's also happening in small more contained areas um i have two students that i'm working with here in anchorage and they very much one of them is a very book smart student she loves school she's not a straight a student by any means but she loves she gets very good grades i mean i think Lowest grade I've seen her get is a B minus, and that was that was shocking. She'd never gotten that before and didn't know what to do. Um, and then on the flip side, I have another student that I'm working with where he his grades are awful. Like I'm not gonna try. His grades are bad. He hates being in school because he doesn't he doesn't understand why he needs to read To Kill a Mockingbird. He doesn't understand why he needs to figure out the quadratic formula for the ninth day in a row. And now that they're, they're at home doing a lot of this work, you know, via Zoom, via whatever. It's even worse because what's at literally at your fingertips, your video games, mm-hmm. your programming modules, your everything that you do on a computer and you're asking them, don't touch that, don't even look at it, stay focused on school. Mm-hmm. And for him, that's like, th- that is torture. And, and I get it. But for him, we, ha- we do daily check-ins where I'm like, all right, what's, what happened in school? Do you want to talk about it? And every time he's like, I, I don't get it. I do the work. My teachers just don't like me. And I'm like, well, that's not true. Mm-hmm. That, that's not true. Your teachers like you. They might not like what you do, but they like you. Mm-hmm. And we've been working really diligently on his attitude towards school. Because I said, listen, you know, you claim that you hate learning. However, um, for instance, the other day I said, well, you know, there's this philosophy concept that I'm trying to, to think about. I don't know. I don't really know what it's called, but here's kind of what it is. And what I was explaining to him was utilitarian calculus. It's that classic study of a trains going down a road or down a railroad. And on this side, you have a baby. And on this side, you have five random people that you don't know. You know the baby. You have to pull the lever either left or right to, to take out either side what do you pick? Now, there's no correct answer. It's, it's a moral dilemma. And I said that to him the other day. I was like, I, I, that's, that's the concept of it. I just don't know what it's called. He went home and read a 100-page dissertation on utilitarian calculus and brought it to me the next morning. And I was like, you know, that's my, that's, that was my philosophy professor that wrote that. I don't know how he found that because it's in an archive in like four libraries <laughs> I was like, how did you, wait a second. And it clicked. I was like, so you just need to learn something you're interested in. Yeah. 
you need to have a reason behind why you're learning, not just because the school tells you to. Mm-hmm. But we, we had a discussion about utilitarian calculus for the next hour. That was our whole meeting. And I was like, I want you to understand something right now. Your attitude completely shifted because you found your why as to why you do this. Yes. Whereas on the flip side with my other student, she doesn't care. She's just like, I just want to, I just love learning. Mm. And with both of them, I, I've been pushing them. Like you need to figure out what it is for you that you value. You need to find out a, how you learn B what you enjoy learning about and C why your attitude changes on this. Um, something my coach, Dr. Eric Thomas has really, really been pushing in schools is he's been, um, having students take a disc assessment, which is very similar to, okay, yes. So he's having students take that and having teachers take it. And then based off of how the whole team Mm -hmm. scores, the the teachers can then Mm -hmm. um, tailor their lessons, their everything off of that to hit. Now granted, you're not gonna hit every student, Mm. but you're in the research he's done, um, their likelihood of success like quadruples. Wow. Because the students understand, you know, you're not trying to take someone that's super peopley and, and you're a really big people person and put them in a small box and say, sit here and don't move. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make sense. And I'm, I'm doing the same with my students that I'm working with. I've mm-hmm. had them both take disc assessments. I've had them both take um, tests on how they learn. Mm-hmm. And I then present this to their teachers. And I'm like, listen, I know that you love teaching language arts, but for this kid over here, he's not going to follow you unless you, you're going to have to change it up a little bit. Mm. And maybe that involves some individualized attention, but as a teacher, that's kind of your job. Mm-hmm. I'm not telling you how to do your job. I'm trying to help you in your classroom. I'm trying to make this easier for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's what I've been doing with that a lot. And it's been... Mm. It's, it's been helpful. I mean, it, there have been bumps, a lot, bumps in the road mm. as I've been doing this because I'm figuring out as I go, but it's been very beneficial for the students. Mm. I absolutely love the uh, reference that you made to the DISC profiling. Um, mm-hmm. I've had a long association with uh, DISC in itself as a profiling method. Um, my background is in psychiatric nursing way back many decades ago. And oh, wow. Yeah, and as a consequence, one of the things I had to learn was a lot to do with the psychology, the sociology, and a lot to do with, and I furthered my own studies in regards to um, psychometric testing and personality profiling. And it's, it's kind of like one of those little personal vents of mine. It's the thing I like. But the value in DISC profiling, uh, I actually wrote an ebook not all that long ago that's um, publishable on my website as a downloadable, and it's a free download. And this, it's called The Seven Steps to Total Self-Assuredness. And the reason I wrote that is it's outlines my steps the things that I did and the way that I had to understand why was my confidence missing? Why did I not know how to be the better version of myself? What was missing throughout my world? And this was over the, you know, many, many moons and and understanding who I was and how I've become who I am. And so there's a couple of things that just resonated straight away with what you were saying. It's um, I've got one of the steps in the book is to undertake personality profiling because you need to understand your personality. You need to know who you are. And the best way is to go through and do two or three different personality profiling um, assessments to find out just how do you make decisions and how do you think about the world and, and what ways do you see the world so that you've got a better understanding of how to explain, if you have to, who you are to other people. 
and express yourself so that you can say, oh, I realize I actually don't like being in a big room full of a lot of people. I'm, I'm a more of a C and more of a, a you know, um, person who likes to hide in the corner. So when the, the, the C component of the profile is someone who's not necessarily people orientated. They like facts, figures, and and you know keeping things uh, in in order and structured and following directions, but they don't like a lot of people contact. So when you even understand those little nuances about a personality, it really helps when somebody knows that about themselves to be able to explain. Well, this is the kind of personality they am, and it re it resonates with something that was my experience growing up. I had a lot of difficulty explaining the way I liked to learn, and for me that was important. It was so important and that I noticed was not something that was of any value or interest to my educators at the time. So the different teachers that I had had absolutely no interest in the way I liked to learn. So I often got into trouble when I was trying to say, but I like to learn this way. And it's like, well, that's not how we're teaching it. And so I missed out on, and I, I, I love your reaction because that's exactly how I feel all these years later. It's like, if only. Now, I don't hold any, any um, ill toward those educators. It was just the way things were at the time. But I'm, I'm a very strong believer in once you understand who you are and you've got that validation externally saying, well, if I feel this way and other people are saying, hey, I feel that way too, it's okay, then you, on a, you, you have a much greater trajectory towards achieving a, a purpose and a mission and also being able to then even guide your own self-education. So how does that resonate with you, the, the concept of self-education? Do you find you have students that then become more interested? It sounds like your um, calculus students certainly went down that pathway. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm a very, very big proponent of self-education. Um, I've never thought that education can only happen in the classroom. Actually, I really disliked learning in the classroom because oftentimes the concepts that were taught, I would get them, but I was like, wait a second, I don't really care about this. Mm. Like nothing against my teachers, but I just, I don't care about math this much. Mm -hmm. I really don't. What I really care about is helping other people understand it. Mm. So I was that kid, especially in my, um, like my high school math class, I would sit there and completely lock in with what was being taught and then walk around and move seats to help other students that I could tell were falling behind. And my teachers would always ask, they're like, why are, you, why are you like this? Why do you do that? And I was like, because I remember what it's like to be in their seat. And you guys just overlook it completely. You don't mean to. You have seven classrooms that you're trying to run at the same time with completely different subjects, mm -hmm. which accounts to how many students. You're stressed. I get it. So I'm trying to help you guys out a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, and then in college, I, with the way my major worked out, I didn't have enough room in my schedule, even if I wanted to, to take all the classes I wanted, as I'm sure many college students will tell you. So I figured, well, I don't really need a class on this. The professors are right across the street. Why can't I just go to their office hours and say, hey, I know you wrote your dissertation or, you know, you got your master's in, psych or in philosophy in um, it, like, uh, uh, what, what's someone in like, in studying Socrates. I would really like to get started on just doing some own reading. I can't take your course, unfortunately. I don't have it in my schedule. But could, you, could I get the textbook or could I get some required reading or something that you might recommend? And I had every single time I did that, they said, oh, of course. 
here's a list of like 10 books or 10 readings or 10 articles or whatever. And oh, this dissertation would be cool. I'm, I'm a very big proponent of self-education. You have to find what you love learning. Mm-hmm. And something people need to understand is you can't, no one can make you want what you don't want. It's not going to happen. I don't care to sit down and read really dry math textbooks. I don't care. I don't, I, I couldn't care less. I really couldn't. It could be the most fascinating thing in the world and be like, great. I don't care that we solve this problem. However, you give me a philosophy textbook or a psychology textbook done. I'll just sit there and read that thing just cause I'm bored. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish I could pull the camera over. I have a bookshelf that's just full of <laughs> random books yeah. that you look at it and you're like, why are you, what? At what point, huh? But it's because I found what I love. Yes. Like I found what really, really awakens that inner you and you're like, yeah, I'm not stupid. Mm-hmm. Wait a second. Like yeah. I, it's not that I don't understand what they're saying. I just don't care about that. And this is what I do care about. Mm-hmm. So with the students that I'm working with, I very much push them regularly to, hey, if there's a subject you don't know anything about or you're kind of interested in, go figure it out. Mm-hmm. Like we get college students, well, I get college students all the time. They're like, Bobby, I don't know what to do with my life. I don't know what to do mm-hmm. with my major. I don't know what I want to do. And I'm like, you know why? Because you haven't experienced enough of life. Mm-hmm. At 18 years old, we're asking you to take out what could potentially be hundreds of thousands of dollars of money that you can't even wrap your head around how much money that is and mm-hmm. say, find what you love doing. Mm-hmm. Most of these kids have hardly even had a fast food job, let alone <laughs> experienced yeah you know, a plethora of different employment opportunities to figure out, oh, I really love writing or, oh, I really want to be a mechanic. Like Mm -hmm. they've just never put themselves Mm -hmm. in that position. Mm -hmm. So something I push a lot in my speaking is you need to try stuff a lot Mm -hmm. so you can fit, you know, take, you don't need a classroom to be educated. Take it upon yourself to figure that out. Yep. hundred percent. There's two things that came to mind as you were speaking that echoed so well with me was Um, like you, I used to be the person that would help other students. And I specifically remember uh, a particular teacher whose name I won't uh, mention in case he happens to watch this, um, who criticised me in my student report for always helping other students to my own detriment, apparently. Now, interestingly, um, I I still remember that because I still have that emotion um, locked in me in a, and I laugh about it because it's actually like, well, you know what? It served me, didn't it? Because years later, one of the things, and, I, and again, echoes something that you were saying, if, if my world had to be based around what I was required to learn and then what I chose to do as a first career path, I would today be working in a kitchen as a chef, probably making good money, but probably stressed, probably overweight, probably unhealthy, possibly working really long hours. Now, and I, I actually became an apprentice uh, chef and I completed my four-year apprenticeship. So I qualified in that industry. So saying what I'm saying about what possibly could have happened over those intervening 30 odd years is very very plausible. Plausible. I may have ended up with all sorts of horrible health issues because you're forever cooking food that is not necessarily so healthy. It's stressful. And I know friends that are chefs at the moment who are finding that they wish they'd gotten out of the career years ago. So I look at that and I think, what was I doing back then 
had that been the decision and I stuck with it and pursued it because it was what I was expected to do, rather than being a passion, I would not have then gone on to become a psychiatric nurse. I would never have worked in call centres. I would never have worked as a, a manager. I wouldn't have done the different things. I have never had a set career because I've never found any employer that valued my contribution to the point where it was validated, where I felt heard. So often I'd speak out and say, why don't we try this? And I'd get called into the office by the manager and reprimanded for, you know, challenging. And it was like, oh, please, really? So, you know, I have, <laughs> I have a record of actually resigning from jobs over the intervening 20 odd years. I've probably resigned from three or four jobs because management had no desire to actually hear someone show initiative or demonstrate a, a, a real passion to want to change something positively within that workplace because who was I? I was just an employee. So that whole idea that if we just go about and do a job, it is just so unfulfilling and it's really valuable that we are in the world that we have so many choices Obviously, the current circumstances in our world right now with COVID-19 might change a few things, but it opens up a lot of opportunities for some people as well. So there's this real need for us to recognise that for some, yes, because of the personality style, the decision-making style that they have, one job, one career will probably be exactly what they'll do forever. And that's fantastic. I envy people that feel that way. But at the same time, I also recognise there are some of us walking the planet that will never have a set job because we've got to explore our passions. And I wished I'd known that way back in my, my late teens and early 20s and I wouldn't have gone through an, an enormous amount of distress about not feeling good enough, not following the line, not doing the things I was expected to do. The pressure that is there in society, sometimes we don't know it's there. It's an unspoken pressure. So obviously we've got a lot of students, as you're mentioning the students, the idea that they feel that they don't know what they want to do in their life. A lot of that does come down to in the current day and age, we have so many choices and we see so many people that are successful and, you know, have a YouTube channel for X amount of or an Instagram channel and suddenly you become a lifetime influencer and you become really rich. It doesn't happen that way. But great, <laughs> it's not. Does. Yeah. But how in, they're so... Our younger people are so vulnerable to be influenced by that. And it's we need to really ground them in, in not that they can't have it, but where are they at? And are they in a position to be that person? And what who can they become the future you? As in, you know, is that who you're supposed to be? And there's a lot of a lot of dynamics about that. So, you know, it's fascinating what you're saying. I'm hearing a lot of that and, and totally relating to what you're saying. Um, yeah, it's there's so much to know and students have a lot, of, a lot of learning that doesn't come from school. Excellent. So is there anything you'd love to share with the, um, with the listening audience, Bobby, about you know, where you're at, what you're doing? And in, in a nutshell, let's just cover that off. What do you do? Who do you do it for? And why do you do it? So I am a motivational speaker for at-risk youth, uh, basing my talks mainly around middle school, high school, and early collegiate students. Um, I'm up here in Anchorage, Alaska. I travel all around the U.S., or at least willing to travel worldwide if, if an opportunity were to show up. Um, and I do it because there's so many people 
that are so wildly intelligent and so phenomenal in their own right that just don't know it. Mm-hmm. And I want to show them that, that, can, that that's a possibility. I want them to know that it's not just, there's nothing wrong with them. There's nothing wrong with you. You just don't necessarily fit in the box that society's put you in and that's okay. Mm-hmm. No one's upset with that. I want, I want people to realize that those dreams that they have that when they're you know, sitting around a campfire late at night where they see their life going, it can happen. And that's not just like everyone's typical idea of a motivational speaker of me saying, oh, you can do it. No, mm-hmm. no, no. I, I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I'm telling you, you have the potential to do it if you put the work in, if you're willing mm-hmm. to make the sacrifices for it. And I want, I want more people to understand that because I never thought I would be here. I used to despise speaking. I used to despise being in front of groups. But now, the, every email that I get that's like, oh, hey, we saw your podcast. We would love to hear you come speak at our school. I pretty much jump out of my chair and throw it across the room because I'm so excited every single time. And imagine if you, know, you had a career where you loved waking up in the morning. Mm. You loved what you did. It's not this far off dream, y'all. It's 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 there you can have it you just have to put the work in yeah absolutely and and also i think added to that is not only just putting that work in which can sometimes be a lot of work but it's also find and believe find and believe in yourself but by by virtue of having someone support you don't don't hesitate to reach out and get support even if it is a, a peer who does support you or if it's a, you know, it could be a college um, lecturer or it could be, mm-hmm. you know, someone in your community or it could be a coach. Whatever it is you need to do, reach out, get that support because sometimes, really not sometimes, but just in life, we, we can't do it alone. And we, we need to get past that expectation that everyone has to survive and be tough and strong because, yeah, be tough and strong, but, but be tough and strong because you went to the dark place that was the hard place and you you faced up to those areas in yourself that are not okay and they don't feel good and they're not they're not nice feelings but be okay with that because you're not alone and reach out and get that support and be part of a community that gets you to find that inner fire that inner grit so yeah totally hear what you're saying and so where can people find you bobby if anyone wants to uh get in contact with you what's your social media contact what's the best way to to find your podcast share that information. So I'm on most major social media platforms. Um, if you want to reach out to me, you can find me on Instagram. It's just at Bobby Berg. It's all one word. It's all lowercase. Um, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I'm on YouTube. I'm on TikTok. there. Um, and as far as the podcast goes, it's called the student fire podcast with Bobby Berg. You can't miss it. Cause it's a really long title, um, <laughs> but it's on all major podcasting platforms, uh, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spreaker, all of them. Um, and if you find that it's not on your favorite podcasting platform, reach out to me and let me know. I'll happily start uploading there because okay. I, I, I'm very new to podcasting, so I don't know what platforms everyone uses. So yeah, just let me know. Yep, that's awesome. And what I'll do for anybody that watches this later, um, I'll have Bobby provide me with those details and I'll have it loaded to the YouTube channel underneath this particular uh, recording so that if anyone's looking for that information, 
they can go back to the YouTube channel and find it and they'll be able to chase you up from there. So that would be really cool if you could get that information to me after our finished. Absolutely. Perfect. Well, I would love to say thank you so much, Bobby. It has been an absolute pleasure talking with you. And I think there's going to be a lot of people that will be able to really resonate with a lot of the things that you were talking about. And it doesn't really matter whether you're in, you know, um, some area in America or whether you're across the world globally. Education is something that really, it's, it's open to maybe a bit of a change. Maybe it's time we start looking at how can we make learning much more experiential, but also something that students are driven to want to do so that there's a way that they can contribute in, in the, the world later once that education formally is, um, is behind them. So, yeah, education anywhere around the world. Um, you know, I think Bobby's going to be an awesome you know, contributor to, to helping people, particularly younger students, find their purpose, find their mission and find that fire in the belly. That's all I got for you. I hope everyone has a wonderful week. Y'all, I hope this was helpful. If it was, hit me up on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, or Facebook. Let me know what you thought. Better yet, hop in the reviews on the podcast you're listening to this on and leave a review there. I check all of them and I will respond to everything that I can. Y'all, I love hearing from you. It's the highlight of my day. I hope everyone has a wonderful week. I hope you are rocking everything that you do. I hope nothing's getting in your way and for whatever does get in your way, I know you're going to find a way to overcome it like you always do. Catch y'all on the next one. Peace! I got you. It's coming! Are you ready to ignite the fire? We are Speak Fire. Oh, and by the way, that's fire with a Y. What's going on, everyone? Internal fire. Student fire. Young fire. Father's fire. Leadership fire. Champion fire. (laughs) (laughs) Unlocking the fire within. Thank you all for tuning in. Let's grow. Speak fire. Speakfire.com. Speak fire with a Y. We have a new episode that comes out every Monday at 4 a.m. Are you going to be up with us? Deuces.